From the newsrooms of the City Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Chris Sapone. It's Wednesday, November 30th. Right now, China is experiencing the most significant public protest of the Communist Party's rule since the Tiananmen Square demonstrations of 1989. The protests are a response to the government's draconian lockdown measures and restrictions that have been in place since the pandemic began. The unrest raises questions about the viability of China's zero-COVID policy, and it puts the Chinese Communist Party and its vaunted leader, Xi Jinping, under pressure. Today, North Asia correspondent for The Age and City Morning Herald, Eric Bagshaw, on the unfolding protests in China and what they might mean for Xi Jinping's rule. Eric, these protests in China began after a fire broke out in an apartment building in the country's west. Can you tell me about that incident and why it's seemingly been the catalyst for such widespread anger? So this fire broke out in Urumqi, which is the capital of Xinjiang, on um, November 24. started actually as a result of a, a shower causing a, a fuse to blow in one of these apartment blocks, uh, and fire started ripping through the apartments, um, 10 floors of, or so of people living in this block. And what happened as people tried to be rescued from this apartment is that it appears that there were blockages in place in terms of barriers and other things uh, to prevent firefighters from being able to access this apartment. In this case, 10 people died. And what this particular incident did is really stirred up a lot of those concerns that have been hanging around for months and months around the collateral damage of COVID restrictions. Protesters claim firefighters were slowed in their efforts to reach the victims by COVID restrictions. It had the added factor of being in Xinjiang, one of the most tightly controlled areas uh, during all of COVID. And it also gave protesters somewhat of a geographic location to pin their grievances to. And what we saw are protesters in Beijing and Shanghai actually coming out on Urumqi Street in Beijing and Shanghai and other cities around the country. So it gave them a place to centralise their grief. Communist Party. In Shanghai, they chant and police move in. A protester holding flowers is arrested and dragged along the ground. And that's really become the catalyst for what we've seen now, you know, moving into its fifth day of protest across China. Crowds are swelling across the country. In Wuhan, COVID ground zero, they target lockdown barricades. These are some of the biggest protests we've seen since 1989, the Tiananmen Square massacre. The protests that have broken out across China are smaller in scale, but they're across dozens of cities and they are all united around one thing, and that is China's COVID zero policy. So it sounds like the protests aren't actually about the fire so much. It's more the COVID zero policy that China has enacted for a couple of years now. Can you talk about what life is like under that policy for the people in China? At the moment, it's a series of groundhog days. Uh, they are in an endless, seemingly inescapable cycle. It is a, um, a constant, grinding, oppressive COVID zero. Imagine if, if Melbourne and Sydney's lockdowns at the very, very height of the pandemic where you were forced to stay at home all the time had dragged on for almost another 
18 months. And then add on top of that, you can't leave your house. Often the residential compounds have been welded shut. Uh, and if you even attempt to walk down the street, you're likely to run into uh, huge seven foot tall barriers and, uh, and COVID workers known as the big white, uh, people who will forcibly put you back inside your compound. In Shanghai, it's only uh, this year, earlier this year, uh, we saw people screaming from their apartment blocks, chanting their frustration at being locked in their apartments for weeks on end. <laughs> Running out of food, uh, losing their jobs, running low on money. All of those issues are still going in China, and that's because they are absolutely determined to keep up with COVID zero. Uh, so it's been an incredibly challenging time. And I think after three years of being in any kind of lockdown, let alone the ones we've seen in China, uh, a lot of people would be at breaking point. Now, we've had protests in China before. Can you talk about how these demonstrations are different than the other ones we've seen in China in recent years? So each of those protests in the past, and really since 1989 um, in Tiananmen, have been about very localized issues. You know, we saw in 2008, there was a, a huge earthquake in Sichuan where thousands of people died. Uh, and parents protested in, in response to the government's handling of that. Uh, likewise, we saw the baby milk formula scandal. We have seen protests over Evergrande, the, the Chinese property developer. They each have a common thread, and that is that the protesters themselves have a vested interest in that particular issue. They want their money back from Evergrande. They want justice for their babies who have been harmed by baby milk. They want compensation for the dodgy buildings that collapsed during the earthquake. This time it's different, and it's different because they are all united around one particular grievance, and it's not limited to geographic or economic circumstances. The COVID zero controls have made them coalesce around it as an issue and united these grievances across a huge number of people and in a variety of locations in a way that we have not seen really on this scale since 1989. And so that creates a very different and potentially very dangerous situation because the motivations are much harder to handle and, and, and less easy to solve because it involves questions of governance, it involves questions of how um, the Chinese Communist Party runs China. And so what we're seeing is that these protests about COVID are morphing into broader complaints about the party state, its restrictions on freedom of speech. So you've got a situation where people are identifying themselves, actively criticising the Chinese government and are willing to go to jail for doing so, which is um, yeah, a, a marked difference from previous concerns about how Chinese government policy operates. You know, essentially people are really at, at boiling point in terms of their limits on how much they are willing to tolerate the restrictions on their daily lives. And it's pushing them to question everything about the authorities uh, that has got them into that situation. So from the perspective of the government, I mean, is there a sense that the longer that these protests go, the more they become a critique of, of the system? So of Xi Jinping and, and of the Chinese Communist Party's handling, not just of COVID, but of, of life in China? 
the longer the protests go on, the longer they are a mechanism or a forum for grievances broader than just COVID-19. There's a bit of a split within the protest movement because some are very focused on just getting the hell out of their lockdowns and their COVID zero restrictions. And, you know, frankly, they don't care very much about the freedom of speech and all this other caper that, that comes with the CCP. Then there are others who are like, this is, this is our chance, you know, we've got to bring this home and we've got to create actual political change. They're in the minority. So it means that as long as the COVID zero controls remain, these spurts of protest are likely to continue. And for the Chinese Communist Party, that's a pretty intolerable situation. So they've got kind of two options. One is to start gradually releasing some of those COVID controls or, or to use force and to really crack down. And last night we did, we did see a warning that suggested that. Whether they will act on it is another question. And this is where the, the Politburo's Secretary of Politics and Legal Affairs Committee, the head of it, had said that it's necessary to promptly ease and resolve contradictions and disputes and help solve the practical difficulties of the people. But he said that after warning that they would crack down as necessary on the street protests. It's sort of this contradiction that they're, they're trying to balance. Is that right? That's right. And this is the kind of eternal challenge of the, the CCP, you know, be strong-armed on one end and be a, what they call a consultative democracy on the other. I think it's, a, it's an interesting statement. It's, it's perhaps made from a position of slight weakness. The fact that they are saying we need to take into account some of the people's demands and, and you know, there's wording around there improving governance or improving politics suggests that they acknowledge that they haven't gotten some things right and that they know it's a volatile situation. So. That, to me, says we are in for an interesting few days where perhaps some of those COVID controls start to be eased a little faster than they would have planned. Or, you know, it, it goes the other way and perhaps the, the, the protests really blow up and they have to use that second option, which is the use of force. At the moment, it's really sort of in that balancing act. And no one's better at that, really, than the CCP. But this will be straining a lot of resources. Because the message seems to be, yes, we'll crack down on you, and yes, we feel your pain and should try to relieve it. So that, that is quite a balance for them to walk. Now, people have made this uh, analogy to the Tiananmen Square protests, at, which ended tragically in the death of thousands of protesters in 1989. Do you think that if push comes to shove, we could see similar scenes playing out in China today? I mean, do they have that sort of resolve to use that kind of hard power against their own people still? in uh, 2022? I think the party ultimately does, but it would have to be done in a way that ensures it does not trigger even greater unrest and political instability for the party. At, at the end of the day, the party is all about stability. It's, it's all about putting the party at the core of the country. And thirdly, it controls the People's Liberation Army. That's a million-strong force uh, and one of the largest armies in the world who takes its orders from Xi Jinping. That means it's in an extraordinarily powerful position and if it has to make a, um, a symbolic and brutal crackdown where people uh, do die, I'm sure that if it's a choice between 
the party's survival uh, and, and, and some deaths on the streets of Beijing and Shanghai, I know which option the Chinese Communist Party would choose. But that is still an extreme option. Uh, at the moment, I don't think we're there yet. I think we're in a stalemate. And all of the, uh, you know, the academics and others um, that were spoken to um, who have experience of protests like this in China also think it is very much in the balance. But at the same time, they won't be afraid to use the harshest measures if they feel they need to. Eric, thank you very much for joining us. And please explain. Great to be here, Chris. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Margaret Gordon. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the City Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Chris Sapone. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.